Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his, his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for you. You have done a mighty work. Though we were lost in sin, you find us. Though we are dead in sin, you make us alive. You give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to believe, minds to understand through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray that your Spirit will guide us in this time, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, to know your truth and be transformed by the powerful working of your spirit as we look to your son, Jesus Christ, in all your glory. In Christ's wonderful name, amen. We've seen here where the Apostle Paul, in working with the church of Ephesus, he's praying that they would have wisdom and understanding that grow in of son and holy spirit they would grow in the knowledge of what it means that god the father has chosen them from before the foundation of the earth that god the son would come take on human flesh go to the cross to take the sins of his people to bear god's wrath and what it means that the Holy Spirit would come to make God's children alive, to believe, to trust, and to transform them into the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ. We are saved by one God, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul has emphasized that again and again through Ephesians chapter 1 especially as we looked at that long sentence of verses 3 through 14. He keeps lifting up those themes of God's sovereign work and the work of the Father in choosing and the Son in bringing redemption through His blood and the Holy Spirit in making us alive to believe. So here we see the Apostle Paul praying for the people in Ephesus. And he speaks how he remembers them. He prays for them constantly. And he gives thanks and praise to God for them. 
And that was the beginning of that prayer as he prays that the eyes of their hearts would be opened, enlightened, so that they would grow in the knowledge of God's greatness and his glory and his power and his love. Be as long as we are on this heaven and earth, we still are in the midst of the battle against sin, in the midst of the battle against the devil and the demonic, in the midst of this battle against the world where we say no to sin, we say no to the devil, we say no to the world, and we say yes to Christ. This is a battle we face every moment. So the Apostle Paul is making clear, the more we know of God's power, the less we will try to rely on our own strength. The more we understand our absolute dependence on God's will and ways, the less we will try to do things in our own ways. The more we understand God's holy purpose for us and His Son, Jesus Christ, the more we realize what it meant that Jesus shed his blood, sacrificed his life on our behalf, the more we understand how terrible our sin is, the more we understand what it is to glorify God that in his grace, he has won the victory over our sin. This is this knowledge spiritual knowledge that the Apostle Paul is praying that we would grow in. As we would pray to God, as we would seek and study his word, God's word to us, which is God's infallible, inerrant, true, authoritative truth, breathed out by God, the more we would grow and understand that, the freer we become of the things of this world. And the more we understand that our citizenship is in heaven, our home is in heaven, and how we long for the day that Jesus Christ will return and all will be made well. This is this knowledge, this this wisdom that only comes through the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul is praying that we would grow in. Just as the church in Ephesus would grow in, that each and every believer would grow in. So here we see this this prayer, and, and this week we're looking at the last few verses of this prayer, and here it's focusing on the power that is present in Jesus Christ for those who are in Jesus Christ. Do you want power immeasurable? Do you want riches beyond your comprehension? Do you want life with all its fullness and meaning and purpose? Then die in Jesus Christ. Die in Him. Die to yourself. Die in Jesus Christ. Go to the cross. Pick up your cross and follow your Lord. Follow your Master. And if it means the loss of everything on this heaven and earth, hallelujah, so be it. Because where is our life now? In heaven. Remember, that's what the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 was saying. This inheritance is in heaven. 
this treasure stored up, the riches of our inheritance, because what is our inheritance? What are the riches? What is everything that we could hope for? It is Jesus Christ. He's our everything. He's our life. He's our love. He's our desire. He's our passion. He's the reason we live and He is the reason we are willing to die and lose everything of this heaven and earth. This is this knowledge, this wisdom that only comes to the Holy Spirit. So that's why the Apostle Paul is praying in the section here, verse 19, where he says, and he says, this is his third part of this prayer, and what is the immeasurable, immeasurable, greatness of his power toward us who believe that's it that's it remember ephesians 1 kept building us up to this moment it talked about god in his sovereignty from before the foundation of the world from before creation chooses and predestines and calls the people and sends his son so that they could be redeemed out of their sins and freed from death the wages of sin is death and he sends his holy spirit to make us alive to know and believe and trust this and here again in this prayer the apostle paul brings up the reality of our belief our faith that's where we enter into this and he begins it speaking about the immeasurable greatness of his power. If it wasn't enough to realize that everything that you see of the created order was created by God purely out of his spoken word and his will, if that isn't enough, to believe how great the power of God is? Then how about this one? That we, in our sin, in our rebellion, in our disobedience, in our hatred for God, that we, while we are still breathing out threats and anger toward God, that His Son would die for us. While still a sinner, a, re- a rebel, someone expressing hatred toward the Son would die for us so that we would be made alive to know God's love and forgiveness and peace and grace. This is this immeasurable greatness of the power of God. It's one thing to look at a tree and say, how did God make a tree? It's another thing to understand our own dark and twisted, broken hearts. And how did God give me a new heart? That's the miracle upon miracles. So this is this knowledge of growing in the wisdom that the Apostle Paul is praying for here. And... If you want an example of how God 
can do something that's beyond our imagination, showing the immeasurable greatness of his power, where does he take us? He takes us to Jesus Christ. Now, he's already earlier in Ephesians 1 talked about Jesus Christ going to the cross. He's talked about the redemption we have in his blood. So he's already lifted up the cross, showing the power of God. And that was all the purpose for God's glorious grace would be lifted up. Grace upon grace. Because each and every one of us deserve to be on the cross. We deserve to be sacrificed. We deserve to experience God's wrath and condemnation. We're all condemned. But what's amazing is rather than us, Jesus Christ hangs on the tree. He takes the curse. He goes to the cross so that we who could do nothing to save ourselves are set free. Where God looks at us and rather than says condemned and judged, which is what we should hear, because of what he does in his son, Jesus Christ, God looks to those who believe and trust in Jesus, who have faith in him, and he looks at us and he says, my child, whom I love, whom I'm well pleased. Because the righteousness of Jesus Christ is like the most beautiful garment that is brought down and covers over our filthy rags of our sin and disobedience. His righteousness given to us. This is the immeasurable greatness. So the Apostle Paul has already looked at the cross of the glory of God. Now what he's doing is he's going to the empty tomb. The empty tomb. And that's what he lifts up here. The greatness of his power toward us who believe, this is verse 19, according to the working of his great might. And now he's going to define the highest example of the working of the might of God. So this is the, this is the climax. This is the, this is the crescendo. This is the big moment. And here it is, verse 20, that he worked in Christ. That he worked in Christ. We've already talked about the miraculous virgin birth. That's beyond our imagination, the power of God. But that's not what he's talking about here. We've already talked about the cross where God sends his perfect son who had never sinned so that we could have forgiveness, so that our sins could be paid for, his wrath could be poured out upon an innocent victim so that we who are in him could have life. But that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is that he worked in Christ, verse 20, when he raised him from the dead. That's the moment. That's the moment. Is remember... Remember the basic equation in the Bible. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. 
So here's the moment. Jesus dies on the cross. They take him down and they put him in the tomb. One day goes by. Another day goes by. And on the third day, because remember, the wages of sin is death. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He took all the sins of all God's children, all those who had come to believe and trust in Jesus Christ, all those who would have faith in him, all those sins, every sin of every thought, every word, every action, every sin, lying, sexual immorality, murder, hatred, anger, violence is placed on Jesus Christ who was innocent, perfect. Every sin, thievery, you go through the Ten Commandments, you go through every rule and regulation of the Bible and all those were placed on the Lamb, on Jesus Christ. So here he is in the tomb. The wages of sin is death. (laughs) And when Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, hallelujah, shine the glory. Because at that moment it is made clear and present that death is for those who are in Jesus Christ, that our sins are forgiven. That Jesus has won the victory over, the, over sin, over death, over the devil, over the world, over the kingdoms and princes and all this fallen, evil condition. Jesus has shown that he has been raised life and victory over. The debt has been paid in full. So that's where the Apostle Paul is focusing on. The power that God the Father displayed in the raising of the Son, Jesus Christ. Because when the, Jesus, when the Son, Jesus Christ, is raised from the dead, then you get the rest of the verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. There it is. Eternal life in Christ Jesus, his son. So that's where we see the victory. That's where we see the power. We see the power is from death to life. We see the power for all of us who are in Jesus Christ from sinner to saved, from condemned to eternal death to welcomed into eternal life because the victory of Jesus Christ. So not only is Jesus raised from the dead, but we see the last part of verse 20, and 
seated him. Oh, I love this moment. Seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. What a beautiful, majestic moment. You have God on his throne, the all-sovereign, all-powerful creator, savior, redeemer of the world, and the son, Jesus Christ, who bore the sins for his people, who accomplished the whole purpose and plan of everything was for God to display his glorious grace. And Jesus, after doing this and accomplishing this, is seated at God's right hand. Right there. The position of power and authority and glory. If that's where Jesus is, and if that's where the Scripture says we are if we are in Jesus Christ, then what do we have to fear? Nothing. We, we fear nothing. We could, we could be threatened and challenged and persecuted and face the loss of everything, face the loss of our, our health, face the loss of our wealth, face the loss of family members and loved ones and, and face the loss of everything If we are in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father and we know that he's coming back, what do we have to fear? Nothing. That's Romans 8. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is the prayer This is what the Apostle Paul is, whenever he thinks of this church in Ephesus, he is praying, oh Lord, that you would open the eyes of their hearts so that they would know the power, the same power you worked in your son Jesus Christ, that that's the same power that you are working in their lives. That each and every one of us who are in Jesus Christ, God is using that same power to help Free us from our sin. That daily battle of temptations and desires. The Holy Spirit's giving us a new heart and a new mind so that we would long for and desire and hunger for the things of God rather than long for and desire the things of this world of sin and evil and corruption. It's the same power. And ultimately, we know that if we die before Christ returns, that we know that we will be with our Lord. And those who have died in Jesus Christ, that they are with the Lord. Because he has won the victory over death. Not only our sin, but death itself. We see where the Apostle Paul lifts us up in Philippians chapter 3. I'll read you a little section here. And this is what this means to understand the immeasurable greatness of the power of God toward those who believe in Jesus Christ. This is some of the application of that. When you know that power, and it's in Philippians 3, starting at verse 8. The Apostle Paul knew this immeasurable power. 
in his life. And this is what he says, Philippians 3.8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. There's that same power that the Apostle Paul is talking about here in Ephesians 1, verses 19 and 20. He's now talking to the church in Philippi that he's explaining that his own prayer for himself is that he would know the power of Jesus' resurrection. And that he may share in Jesus' sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That's the power and freedom. When you understand the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in those who are in Jesus Christ. You lose fear of anything but a holy, reverent fear of God himself. You lose a hold, a tight hold and grip on things because your hands are so full completely of Jesus Christ. He is the one you realize that you are holding on to with both hands, holding so tight that your knuckles are turning white. It's Jesus Christ that you've gripped onto. And when you're holding on to Jesus Christ, anything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because you've got everything. You see this, this is the main theme. The main theme throughout the scriptures. That's why the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. He makes clear about this resurrection power in Jesus Christ. Starting at verse 54. When the perishable, he's talking about when we who die in Jesus Christ, then when Christ returns, when we are raised in new resurrection bodies, new glorious bodies, he says this. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. That's, that. That's the victory. Who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have that victory in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? Because Colossians chapter 2 says this, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. 
He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them in open shame by triumphing over them in him. So we see here, this, this verse goes on in verse 21. Verse 21 of Ephesians 1. We've seen this power of raising Jesus and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And then verse 21, it says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet. Jesus is higher. Jesus is higher. I've shared this story before. When I was in, the, in Zimbabwe, I got to spend a month right on the border between Mozambique and Zimbabwe. Sometimes I was in Mozambique. Sometimes I was in Zimbabwe. I had no idea. Sometimes even the locals weren't quite sure. It's just, you're in and out, in and out. So we go to village and village, and you'd go to some of these churches and one wall would be capsized because there is this Mozambique-Zimbabwean war that did such damage and destruction. There was these skirmishes between some of the tribes. So some of these churches only had three walls and a mortar shell had taken out one. Or there's, you'd go in and there's bullet holes and bullet marks on the outside and, and just these villages were ravaged. And you'd go in there and you'd talk and visit and and share the gospel and, and work with these churches. And, and there was one song, inevitably, every worship service, one of the oldest elders would get up and he'd hobble up forward on his cane and he'd start singing and the whole church would start singing. Jesus higher, higher. Jesus higher, higher. And then our sin lower or the devil lower or... Or anything lower. But what was the verse you kept going back to? Jesus higher, higher. Jesus higher, higher. That's how they made it. That's how they made it through the warfare. That's how they made it through the famine that hit afterward. That's how they made it when nearly every mother in those villages was losing their children. They kept singing that song, no matter what pain, no matter what suffering, no matter what difficulty, they know the power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ is higher, higher, higher than anything else. So if you have your life in Jesus Christ, that's everything. That's everything. He is your desire. He is your hope. He is higher, higher. What's powerful about this, this prayer of the Apostle Paul is it ends not only with Jesus being at the right hand of the Father and Jesus being higher, higher, but now it gets real personal. Now you get to find out your place in Jesus Christ. This is exciting. So here we get directly into this, into this prayer. It says this, and Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. We see this. Verse 22, 
and gave him, Jesus Christ, as head over all things to the church, which is his body. Wow. That's, that's what we are in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, if you trust in him, if your faith is in him, then you are a part of his body on this earth. You are a part of his body with him as the head. And what's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of being a part of the body of Christ? This is what he says. Verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So our purpose, the reason why God has called us is to give him all the glory and praise and honor to lift up the glory of his grace and to fill everywhere and everything with the gospel, with Jesus Christ. So we go to every nation, every tribe, every language. We go to every door in our neighborhood. We go to strangers at the grocery store. We go to family and friends. We go to people. And what are we doing? As Christ's body, we are presenting the glorious grace found in the cross, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the meaning of your life. Anyone ever want to know the meaning of your life? I just gave it to you. That's the meaning of your life. If you're in Jesus Christ, it is to show the fullness of Jesus Christ everywhere, at every time, at every place. That's it. So where do we see that most clear? Where do we see our great Lord and Master giving the orders for his body to go? It's Matthew 28. So I encourage you just to go there. I'm going to close out by reading Matthew 28, and this is where we'll transition from the sermon into communion. So Matthew 28. This is our orders. It's good to know our, our orders from our commanding officer, Jesus Christ. So let us hear our orders. This is it. Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. And what's so powerful about Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, is it starts in the same place that the Apostle Paul is ending this prayer. And that's where we get our orders. Matthew 28, starting at verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, and he's speaking to his disciples, the apostles, those who believed in him. So he's speaking to the church. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There it is, the same statement that we just looked at in Paul's prayer. Jesus is higher, higher. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me. Go. That's the verse. That's the verb. That's the action of this command is go. Go to your neighbor. Go to your coworker. Go to your family member. Go to your mother or father. Go to your children. 
Go to a stranger, go to a neighbor, go around the world, go as far as two blocks down. Go. Take the fullness of Jesus Christ and his gospel and the life you have in him and go with it. Share it. Live it. Speak it. Proclaim it. Tell it. Go. Go, therefore, and make other followers, disciples, little Christs, Christians. Make disciples of all nations. It doesn't matter what culture, what language. It doesn't matter what social, economic, or political perspective. You go and you say, you've got one problem. If you don't have Jesus Christ. And guess what? Jesus Christ is the one solution. It doesn't matter. You got one problem. The wages of sin is death. But what's the one solution? The free gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. So you go and you make disciples. You teach that. You tell that baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, here's this powerful statement. We understand Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. But guess where else he is? And I am with you always to the end of the age. He's with you. He's present. He's active and engaged and at work. You are never alone. You're never alone. And if you're in Jesus Christ, do you know who's always with you? The most powerful, the most glorious, the most loving Savior and friend you could ever know. Jesus is higher. Let us pray. Father, we we are amazed by your grace. As we contemplate your son, Jesus Christ, being in the highest position of power and authority. And that by believing in him, We, through your grace, are in him and he is in us and we are his body. This is amazing. Amazing. Father, we pray that you will set us free through the truth. You say, know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So, Father, we pray that you'll just help us to know the truth of your son, Jesus Christ, to know the truth of the power that, that is at work in our lives, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Help us know the truth that our home is in heaven, that we long for the return of Jesus Christ when all will be made well. Help us to know the truth that our sins 
truly have been forgiven. And help us to know the truth, O Lord, that when the devil still comes to accuse or, or to slander, or we have thoughts that, well, maybe we, we just aren't good enough, remind us of the truth that that is absolutely right. But your son, Jesus Christ, was good enough. He was perfect. And we have his righteousness. And that is where our hope and security is. So, Father, we pray that you'll just remind us of these truths. Grow us in these truths. So that we would be set free. In Christ's wonderful name. Amen.